Thank you for tuning into White Centipede Noise Podcast. Please hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. This podcast is made possible by viewer and listener support. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash white centipede noise. White Centipede Noise is a label and mail order based in Germany, releasing top quality noise on tape, CD, and vinyl. White Centipede Noise is also the premier EU-based distributor of international noise. Visit whitecentipedenoise.com to see available label releases and weekly distro updates. Hello and welcome to White Sandby Noise Podcast. My name is Oscar Brummel. Today my guest is one of the last American power electronics greats. Please welcome Alex Komet of Climax Denial. Hello, Alex. Hi. Hi. Hi, Oscar. Very good to see you. Thank you you very much. Yeah, thank you for... That's crazy, but yeah. No, it's good to see you. It's been years. Yeah, it has been years. Decades. uh, no, maybe not. I was actually re- recently watching the video of uh, the Grain Belt set at that Heavy Focus Fest at Medusa, where you where we had all the 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 trash flying around, and you were holding up, or I think I was holding up a exactly, I was holding up a metal stovetop, and you were stabbing it. Was it was the top of the range oven, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's top of a range. Beating on it with a lead with a file. Metal. With a big file, you're conduit, stabbing it, and then metal. you can see your hand, you're looking at it, you stab it a couple of times, you keep looking at your hand, and then, yeah, you, you gassed yourself pretty pretty bad, right? You have a scar. Can you show this? I guess you it's, showed it to the camera just now. Um, yeah, I still... Yeah, <laughs> it's not... Yeah, I think you could see bone, and I think... Wow. Yeah, I didn't even notice until after the set. When I was just like completely pooling blood on the floor, I think it was Bryce Baverlin or somebody took me to the. There was like this like gnarly bathroom, and they used some dish soap and like wrapped me up in electrical tape. You stayed though, right? I think I broke. I think I broke my finger too. Whoa! I I didn't. Yeah, no, there was. I didn't. I didn't. I should have gone to the hospital or something. But (laughs) sorry, I just. Stayed and now you got it. Do you have a crooked finger now? It's all for the sake of noise, man. That was a killer set. <laughs> it's not crooked, it's just permanently scarred. Yeah, uh, thanks to you. Ah, uh, was my fault. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm that was a good festival. That was one of my that best. Was a great, that was a great festival. That was <laughs> really a special festival. <laughs>
you 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 you're a demon at the at the live shows. You're a demon heckler and you're a demon uh, a demon force. I'm hoping you'll share some stories with me about live shows. We'll get into that. Okay, so anyway, um, so I talked to a lot of harsh noise artists on here, um, and I like you know, I've gotten into the habit of asking people how they got into noise, and I've kind of tried to shy away from that habit because I think it's a little bit. I don't really like to waste time on that, I guess, but I don't talk to as many power electronics and industrial industrial artists like yourself. So I think there's probably a, I, I'm wondering if there's a kind of a different pattern or a different kind of trajectory uh, for someone like yourself. Um, can you tell me kind of how you were introduced to power electronics industrial and how you arrived at being an artist and creating it yourself? I got into noise pretty early in high school, early high school, probably just downloading random stuff on Napster, Audio Galaxy, whatever was going on. I, mm -hmm. I've, I started out probably found answers in a Neubauten at an early age oh, cool. at a used CD store and just kind of I was I grew up listening to weird music. My parents listened to like Laurie Anderson and Kraftwerk and mm -hmm. Frank Zappa and stuff. So it's kind of kind of since I was a baby, sure. I've only liked weird stuff, you know. Yeah. So like in high school, like real early, we found like intrinsic action and cocky SP and like just like the weirdest stuff. Yeah. So I kind of. Yeah, I had a little, a little jokey, a little joke, jokey noise project in high school with my buddy, mm -hmm. and it was just like smashing stuff and goofing around and doing little skits and stuff. It was pretty dumb, but that kind of broke. I was out in the suburbs of Milwaukee, and um, the only person when I'd come into the city to go to, sh you know, the cool coffee shops or record stores or whatever, yeah. like. The only dudes around doing noise stuff at that time was uh, Mildew mm -hmm. Brothers, Mike and Eric Schauitzer. I didn't know there. I didn't know so, there were two. I, I'm. There were, I think I only know Mike. I didn't know there were two brothers. Everybody, Mike. Um, I would say Mike is the most active, as far as the noise scene goes. Mm -hmm. um, but they've all Mildew has always been Mike and Eric okay. as brothers. Um, but like Mike. I hang out, I, I toured with Mike and I, I record stuff with Mike. So people just refer to Mike as Mildew. Okay. But, you know, Eric, Eric deserves as much credit, but. Okay, cool. Um, he's more, he's, he's in a bunch of garage rock bands and stuff, Eric and stuff. So he's been, he's kind of got that angle covered more, but. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, uh, that was my first intro to actual, like people playing and, you know, putting out stuff other outside of just like MP3s of, random uh so like yeah i kind of got that was around like 2002 2003 2004 mm -hmm. so i kind of it was kind of like the weirdo weirdo noise sure time sure if that make you know what i mean like like we play with do, like so russian star lag do you have okay so do you have right okay. you ha so you kind so, of had like a phase before like the the dark climax and out phase you kind of had a phase of like the yeah 
Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. The original question, I was totally getting there. I think. Um, Sorry. I kind of, I kind of was ex no, no, no. Not I was kind of lost there. But yeah. So it's I started seeing all the. It was you know. There's nothing wrong with um, noise for noise sake and kind of like art school weirdo stuff. That stuff's great. But I was just kind of like, if we're just doing this, not discrediting anybody I mentioned, but I, I, I was definitely always more into the darker industrial stuff like and i'm like you know i gotta um like i want to start taking myself a little more seriously so i was like mm -hmm. i was you know my, my sound kind of started getting a little more ominous and synth heavy and stuff and uh yeah i don't know it's i i have the same i was i started as a weirdo noise dude Okay. But what what was it that got you? I mean, because you were really, like, synonymous in my mind with a lot of the... Or not synonymous, but you are really affiliated in my mind with a lot of, like, the really heavy, dark um, pyloctronic acts like Death Pile, you know, Bloody Minded. Like, what's... What what got what got you connected with, with that kind of direction? I set up a show... I definitely, I was, I set up a show for Carl Heinz out of Boston in the mm -hmm. first apartment I lived on my own in the city. And Carl Heinz shows up at the door and he said, Hey, uh, I picked up uh, bloody minded on the way in here on Chicago. I'm away from Chicago. Is, is it cool if they can hop on the show and I look around Carl and there's Mark and, uh, Ed and Cedro, I think and I'm like, yeah, I suppose that's cool, you know, in my, my, my crusty-ass crusty -ass basement. So that was that was when I first met Mark, and that started off a whole long, uh, a whole uh, a whole thing, because <laughs> yeah. I definitely knew who Bloody Minder was, and I was definitely a fan, and um, so that was kind of insane. And then they came, Bloody Minder came up again the next year in another punk house I was living at, and there were like five people there. Angman was there before I even knew who Angman was, and it was they were playing oh. out of one, like janky PA speaker that I had, like salvaged. It was kind of embarrassing. I think Gray, Gray and Venomous played too. It was freaking weird. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, so how did I? I mean, it's just I, yeah, I, uh, I was before I before I was Climax Denial. I had a few weird names, and um, I was going by APK for a minute. That's my initials. Mm -hmm. And I recorded mm -hmm. this demo and I mailed it to Dom at hospital. Mm. And I didn't hear anything for like a year. And then I went to no, like one of the no, like no fun fest 2005, I think. Mm -hmm. And I ran in, Dom, I had met Dom once previously at some show that he played in Milwaukee. And he just mm -hmm. pulled me up, dude, that, that CDR you sent me, I got to put it out, but you got to change the name. Like, okay, <laughs> look, APK is too similar to SPK. I'm like, yeah, I know. It was just kind of a filler name. It's like sick. So just let me know a new name and I'll put it out. And that was a. So I got an wow. issue of Hustler's Leg World in the mail, and uh, it said the tease and denial issue. Wow. And I was like teasing. Yeah, yeah. Clim climax denial. That's a good noise name. So I emailed Dom, wow. and that was uh, Basement Bruises. One, of, not my first wow. hit, but. Well, yeah, it was the first one I recorded as 
climax of Nolan didn't come out sequentially, but yeah. Wow. So I kind of was just kind of head over heels into the, I don't know. I don't know if that explains going from weird harsh noise to power electronics, but sure. I had some good company uh, helping me out. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Um, Just like, tell me the importance of a couple other people I have kind of noted noted here. Uh, Tell me about Peter Woods. Yeah, yeah, Peter, um, I don't remember when I met Peter, but it was not too long after all that. Uh, yeah, just from, he was around, he was around doing all kinds of weird stuff in town too. He had, uh, like a band called E equals MC Hammer mm-hmm. with some dudes and they're like noise rock kind of math rock stuff. And like, I just knew him. He was definitely made himself known in the city, and he's just as, as active back then as he is now. He's kind of a yeah. He's kind of the the glue of Milwaukee weirdness. Yeah, um, I've toured with him twice. Love him to death. Um, yeah, I'm not no uh, hilarious stories coming off the top of my head, but Peter's invaluable. What about John Engman? John Engman is the best. Um, yeah, he, I said, yeah, Mildy was kind of the only people doing stuff when I first started around here, but Engman was definitely, I didn't meet him right away, but he was kind of lurking on the south side with some other, like, he brought the the metalhead, yeah, the good old Milwaukee metalhead noise dude, like, super strong. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's one of the best. What about James Moy? Yeah. James Moy, uh, partner in crime. I really want to put out an Alehurst tape. Someday it's going to happen. Um, no, I've been best buds with James since. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I was recording with James before. I was Climax Denial. We did a split in one of my first releases. He's, I love that guy to death, too. He's uh, a genius. Why do you think he's never really done a an Analhurst release, as far as I know? Why do you think that is? I, I don't want to speculate. I think it's there's a great mystique which I envy mm-hmm. to being a legendary live performer that only a few, you know, maybe a hundred people have ever seen and everybody wants the satisfaction, right. but you can't harness that yeah. kind of power. But maybe, maybe when he records, it's n- not up to his standards and he can't, you know, like, Perfectionist? I don't know. Speculating? Mm-hmm. Can't say. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm sure. Okay. If he's not watching, I'm going to link him and 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 throw him over the coals. But yeah, it's a great project. He's got. Absolutely. He's he's done some other stuff that he's linked. You know, but and he's in, he's in bloody minded, so he's right. Added a nice touch there too. But out now, four new CDs on Sata Tawata, the new boyfriends three. 
CD version of Harsh Jazz Noise tape released last year. Umpio, Morisco, burning electronics and scrap junk in a blender, with some octopus ink dropping down deep into the Mariana Trench. Secret Apex, long-awaited CD reissue of a tape released in 2013, an intense, lysergic-sounding mixture of electronic music and noise. Mogao, finger-pointing to the moon, a new age of Finnish electroacoustic noise. All available at Satatawata Bandcamp or distro at satatawata.limitedrun.com. That's S-A-T-A-T-U-H-A-T-T-A dot limitedrun.com. What's Milwaukee like in terms of, you know, the seedy side of the culture? I know, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer's from there. That's the famous thing that everyone knows. Every power electronics noise person knows. But is that consciousness of Dahmer and his crimes... Like present in the city outside of the kind of dorky group of people who find that stuff interesting. You, that's a that's a very interesting question. You don't if you're a outside of creepy noise dudes, you don't really talk about Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I can tell, um, I know where. The apartment was, they tore it down, they sold it, the city, the city burned it down and sold it to a property management company for like 500 bucks if they promised to never ever build a new building. So it's just this grassy field next to a, it's a fenced off field next to this apartment building in a rather unpleasant area of the city Mm -hmm. um but i drive by there all the time and it's it's kind of fast it's fascinating i go to bars where Dahmer hung out and it's really weird to i remember being in in milwaukee for the i think a milwaukee noise fest and you know there was a bar down a couple blocks down from the borg ward called the cage or like I don't know how it's pronounced there's a lot of jokes about hey let's go to the cage um just like in the last six months or so I was you know I'm living here in Germany watching some Netflix documentary or something like that or YouTube documentary on Dahmer and they're they're talking about this bar like as one of the main places he hunted for victims and I was just like holy shit that's right by the boardboard that's the place they were always making jokes about is that is that accurate um I honestly, I had not heard that Dahmer hung out at Lacage, but it's like it's called Lacage. It's like the cage, yeah. you know. But if you go in there, there's literally uh, on the dance floor. It is a gay. It's a gay dance club, and there is literally a cage. Like you go up some stairs, and like if you're up there dance, you can go in the cage and dance. And it's kind. Of, it's not really S and M theme, but it's you know. Uh-uh. Just kind of, it's like a go-go dance kind of deal. They did specifically and mention like that people in town are like, "Hey man, if if you want to check out a bar, go check out the L.A. Cage." And it's like yeah. kind of a joke, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, uh, yeah, there's a there's an old goth bar around the corner, and the board order is right down the street. Um, some buddies of mine just opened a record store, kind of a, about a block away from there. The other day, I was just mm. there. It was pretty cool. So it's yeah, it's a weird part of town. Um, yeah, 
I miss the Borg Ward. Yeah, but. talk about the Borg Ward. What, what, was, what was the importance of the Borg Ward, and what is it like having the Borg Ward, Borg Ward gone? I mean, do you, th- do you obviously unified scenes kind of come and go with time? That's kind of just the nature. But do you think we're entering a time where these kinds of scenes are based around single bar, single, single clubs or, or venues are are not? going to be existing anymore or do you think it's the fact that we have simply maybe gotten a little older and are kind of in a different phase and maybe there are younger people who are doing the same thing in a different place that we're not aware of yeah um i think your interview with engman he touched he did a really great explanation on borg word so i don't want to repeat too much um but really um it was unique in that there was this huge venue with a killer PA and then there was the Borg weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you know the, the garage behind was where all the action happened. Yeah. Uh, some of the craziest shit I've ever seen happen in my life was back there. Um, so monsters of power yeah. roll cr- through, you know, you name it. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I think that, that it, it really was not. It was there was this, it was a it was a spirit. There was something happened there for like the good six years it was open. Like, and it wasn't like hardcore community. We you know it wasn't a, it wasn't necessarily a safe space. You know, like right. nobody got like beat up or anything. It was just you know like. There was some CD stuff going on, and I think I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a great example for uh, for what you know a venue should be, but I don't know. It just how something magical happened, and it just worked. And people, there was punk shows, hardcore shows, ska shows, techno yeah. shows, whatever, yeah. and like bands rehearsed there. Yeah, uh, but I don't think yeah. there's probably fifty percent of the people watching this played there if they were around <laughs> yeah and they know exactly, exactly. what i'm talking about during your thanks jay linsky filmed almost every set too yeah absolutely and so, i want to say hi to jay linsky if you, if you don't know have board board, heard from him in a while but i'd like to shout him out and hopefully he's doing well and hopefully we can hear from him soon yeah i haven't talked to him in a while either but i think he's doing you had a right. really active run like 2005 2007 when you were really or, you know maybe 2000 even 10 you were doing a lot of releases and playing a lot of shows um who are some other important colleagues at that time in terms of touring partners other artists collaborators that that because uh, a lot of those artists have not are not around anymore or not active anymore i think feel like from that era or they're doing other things simply they're you know who are some people worth mentioning that that yeah maybe not get the the recognition these days? Um, off the top of my head is uh, Carl, who did Sharp Waste. Carl and um, other people. Uh, Sharp Waste was a super cool project, mm. uh, and I met him through Luke Moldoff mm-hmm. uh, of many different projects. Yeah, and I miss I miss Luke. I toured with Luke and Peter Woods uh, a long time ago. As dude is 
I think he's still doing weird stuff. It's yeah. like, I think he's doing PhD yeah. kind of deal. Um, I toured with uh, Bloody Minded and um, Silvum and uh, Charlie Dram. Mm-hmm. That was fun, Charlie. I haven't seen him. I don't know what happened to that guy. <laughs> we That's where we played. We That's where overlapped with three dates with Macro Nympha. And I, I didn't even realize till later, but I think it was the last, the last tour of Joe and um, Roger. Together. Before they had their falling out together. So that was some madness. Did you witness any that was fun. totally wild <laughs> shit between them? Um, no, they were getting along uh, at that point. I saw them... Uh, I won't, yeah, I won't, uh, some crazy, yeah, no, it was, um, I'm not going to say anymore, but, okay. uh, um, uh, you know, they have a record. Go ahead. Um, yeah. You, like I kind of mentioned, are, you were, you kind of have a different side of you that comes out during the live concert time you you become very animated let's say um yeah has has any of your antics or 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 energy ever led to any physical violence or or uh bodily harm either on you i mean of course we know about the the grain belt incident but but in terms of someone like getting physical with you or or attacking you you know over heckling or anything like that um nothing major I've definitely been um overpowered by bloody minded members and <laughs> have some serious bruises from that but um no in in my live sets yeah like I kinda I, I kinda channel my alter ego it's usually it's usually alcohol that uh, brings about the wild man, but um, but I, I I prefer I prefer active live sets. I prefer a rowdy punk rock crowd. I'd rather have people slamming into the table when when the crowd is stoned out of their mind or just like sober at a bookstore or something, just standing there going. Yeah, it just drives me nuts. I can't, I can't perform under those conditions very well, and I've had sets go bad that way. But nobody's ever. I, I, I I'm not proud of all my heckling <laughs> and stuff. Sometimes I've got some good ones, but <laughs> has it ever led to like a serious? Fight I, I, yeah, I kind of made a name from made an ass. Of it, really, has it ever led I'm to sorry? like a serious falling out or or fight between friends? No. If I'm heckling somebody, they know me usually, and I've, I people egg me on. You know, you know, they, yeah. you're the heckler. Guy. I think you. I don't want to. I think you. I don't want to be known for the heckler. Bummed guy. John out pretty bad when we played the Death Jank set, and like during one of the silence cuts, you were like, "Too long." <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that would come. I'm sorry, John. 
That was like 15 years I know, ago. I know, man. I know. That was, yeah, and that, you know, you didn't care. No, I didn't care. I'm you, just, I'm just you using thought it was funny. Because I've, I've probably only seen like 1% of your your heckling antics, so I thought maybe there was some other things where that led to something worse or anything like that. That wasn't a big deal or anything. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think John was happy after that, but it was like, and it was, you played for almost an hour. <laughs> there was a lot of meat cut out, cut out parts. But then I, I was all apologetic, and then this other dude, this other dude just said, "Yeah, because it was res- disrespectfully long." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." Now he was picking a fight, not me. But Jesus, okay. I'm, I'm turning red here. That was a good heckle. Nobody needs to know about that. That was a good heckle, though. That was, I mean, Death Jank rules. That was funny. I thought that was funny, even though it was maybe too long. <laughs> this, hopefully, this interview doesn't go too long. No. Um, All right. What are you doing to me, Oscar? <laughs> um, so, Sam McKinley, I talked to him a few days ago, and I asked him if he had any questions for you. And he said, no, not really, but oh. he, he wanted me to credit you with introducing, um, you know, very complex and deep fetishism into power electronics with your you know that's that's a that's a serious theme of of climax denial um my question is do you see your position in this project you called an alter ego a moment ago i don't don't know if that you just means in terms of live or if that is the whole project but do you see that position of the project um somewhat different or or like an alternative position as to what was presented in power electronics as deviance before then traditionally yeah i uh, not not every climax and release is about fetishism and this and that but it's definitely prevailing and it's what people pick up on the most mm-hmm. i think um and it's yeah I won't get too into detail on that but I think there's also I incorporate more just kind of mental illness and anxiety and 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 depression and 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 psychosis and things but um but I've I've been I've read in reviews and articles that they they call it a a climax denial reverses the male gaze or uh you know uh submissive power electronics versus the Mm -hmm. the history of you know white house or you know the death pile or misogyny and this and that and yeah as a general token of the genre and i never necessarily set out to like change power electronics or anything I I never really set out to be a power electronics project I would say you know there's a lot I'm too yeah um but I I I like that I've carved out a unique niche for myself um in the intro, you said one of the greatest. Whatever, I don't know what you said, but power elect- U.S. power electronics and like, if you think if you think great U.S. harsh noise, you don't think climax denial. If you think top five U.S. power electronics projects, you don't think climax denial. 
You I've, might. I've, I, well, thank you. I've, maybe somebody does, but I'm, I'm somewhere. I'm, I'm somewhere else. I think. I just. Well, I, I do. You're a little bit later, generation-wise, and you're. But I, I do associate you with like, the death piles, the bloody minded's, the. The slogans. I mean, I know it's a, like I said, it's a little bit before you, but I do see you as a continuation of that tradition with your own fully different like angle to it. But but you were also associate, you know, kind of hanging with those guys and 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 from that. So yeah, I do see you as part of that tradition. And I think um, I'm curious. Well, this is a question I had for later, but I think it's maybe it's appropriate now. Is do you think like this really vile power electronics is over in this day and age like 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 i don't know if it's just a political thing a, a socially conscious thing but these projects at that time that were really flourishing and dealing with a lot of you know very let's say ugly violent transgressive whatever you want to call it material in a very unapologetic yeah. way um there do you feel like that's something that's a tradition that's continuing on or has it been relegated to a corner maybe the true underground like or do you think it's uh, what's what's your take on that whole phenomenon yeah that's in the current day and age. that's interesting yeah the yeah well i guess everything's so readily available that you know in 95 Death Pile put out a tape with just the ultra misogynistic stuff. It was only getting to a couple hundred people, and it wasn't getting shared all over YouTube. You know what I mean? So like, right. there's definitely there's definitely still vile power, vile evil uh, non PC power electronics going on, and I think there's just it is getting pushed into a little corner, and you just kind of gotta, you know, they're kind of, but yeah, yeah, call out. Call out culture and cancel culture and, and PC stuff is, I would say, definitely prevailing uh, over um, uh, well, okay, that sounds that sounds that sounds funny. Like, you know, no, that's, like, the, that's the, yeah, the, current, the current political, yeah. There's a lot of open I'm not saying it's good or bad, just, it's, right, right, right. And I'm not either. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm interested in it because that's always been a hallmark of polytronics and I think an essential hallmark of polytronics I think not that it can't be done in different ways but that's a very intrinsic element of power electronics and and the yeah the visibility and also the consciousness of these topics in society I think have also then spilled over onto the criticism of art and I feel like a lot of people just aren't doing that anymore in the way that 10 years ago they were. Yeah. If, if, if you make death metal or something, you're not trying to shock anybody. It's because you're, you love death metal and you're fascinated with, you know, violence or horror movies or, or, or Satan or whatever. And if yeah. you make power electronics, you're not like necessarily trying to, shock or scare you're it's because you 
like yeah the, the whole thing like oh they're, they're just trying to be shocking like they're not trying right. to be you know it's they're not trying to be shocking it's just what they're into right yeah you know what i mean and so if you can you there, there's such a fine lens now on every every project you gotta you know like not you can't shock and offend but it's not necessary it's not supposed to be for everybody right if you're into the vile shit, I'm, you make stuff for the people that are into vile shit. Like, right. I don't know. It's probably it's probably a little harder to get away with freaky stuff yeah. these days. But. <laughs> um, when you discovered industrial music or power electronics, um, particularly this darker side, do you think? It also served as a function over time to kind of expand your mind or expand your interest in certain things, or was it kind of a confirmation of things that you were already like fully aware of and fully, fully into? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm a. My first love was Marilyn Manson, Antichrist, Superstar, and '90s goth. You know, like in mm-hmm. middle school. So like, I was always. I was always on the dark side. Yeah. Um, really, I think, really, uh, just a love of, just a fascination with ugly sound and, like, uh, feelings and ambience. ambience. Yeah. Just the industrial and, like, like really, my desert island, like, since middle school, my desert island is, like, Neubauten, Throbbing Gristle, Swans, Legendary mm-hmm. Pink Dots, Coil, Death in June, Current 93, number one. Uh, like that, like little bubble of classic post-industrial mm-hmm. has really influenced my sound more than anything mm-hmm. um, still to this day. Um, yeah. So just, yeah. But in terms of like, pers- I, I mean, I don't want to ask too much about but... your personal life, but in terms of like personal exploration of of things or personal fascination. I mean, power electronics definitely gets very specific and extreme. Did that seem extreme to you at the time or was it kind of like, oh, this is like, this is exactly it. This is what I've been looking for. Honestly, when I very first heard power electronics, I thought it was kind of goofy. I didn't quite, I wasn't, Mature enough to kind of grasp the. It is kind. Of, I mean, sometimes it is kind of goofy, but sure. a lot of things are, you know. But you just like. Um, I don't think it's goofy anymore. But really, like, it's just overwhelming catharsis. Just noise and screaming. It's just primal. Yeah. Primal yeah. humanity. I think. Yeah. Like, Romer has that essay about volcanoes and whatever right. the fuck, giant yeah. cocks coming out of the earth, you know. <laughs> Something like yeah. that. Very phrasing. Um, what, That's power electronics. Yeah, well, okay. Is that what, what defines power electronics to you, though, like, as opposed to noise or noise just screaming? Because at least I feel like they're is a difference. I think power electronics can be even without without vocals or without lyrics, but there's something there's something about it that makes it power electronics versus just noise. 
and even some guy with harsh noise and screaming over it isn't necessarily power electronics. What what is the definition in your mind? Yeah, that's tough. I do see people throwing throwing around like maybe not every day, but the uh, like power electronics is noise with vocals. Like right. Uh, it's not necessarily. It doesn't have to be about serial killers or misogyny or uh, crypto fascism or whatever but it's really that's tough because like look at like brighter death now versus atrex morgue or something like yeah it's gotta have i guess or like some sort of i guess maybe there's sort of a human connection there like depravity, like the low, like either either ultra dominant top of the food chain alpha male mm-hmm. humanity, mm-hmm. or lowest gutter lowest gutter human kind mm-hmm. of kind of deal. But there's if you're just like like. Like, Wolf Eyes is not power electronics, you right. know? Yeah. But, it, not, that's, I should, yeah. I, is, but, even, yeah, even the early, power like, the real early broken broken flag stuff. Yeah, power. I mean, power in terms of human relations? Uh, yeah, like, the early, yeah, maybe, maybe that's. I have I have power over you, or you have power over me, right. or you know governments. You know, there's a political, you know, right. condom or genocide organ or something. Right. Social. There's a. It's almost. It's almost. Yeah. There's sometimes there's a punk, political punk element to it. But yeah, the early some of the the early the early broken flag stuff and stuff doesn't have to have vocals, and it's still just got that. And you know, of course, the artwork and themes, t- titles and stuff. Right. Kind of differentiate it to... Kind of define it or at least hint towards what it's supposed to be. People have been arguing about this for decades, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, they have. But, I mean, it's interesting to bring it nowadays because there's a lot of... I mean, there's a newer generation, I feel, of of industrial and power electronics artists that are, that are you know, approaching things from kind of an opposing angle. And I I don't know how better to describe it, but you know products like uh, uh, CBN that are that are subverting this kind of typical uh, dynamic of white male heteroaggression. Um, do you think that is still power electronics? Does that do you consider that power electronics as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I think maybe there's like axe breaker. And uh, right. maybe even like straight panic, right? Yeah, uh, I don't think the I don't think the climax and all has nothing to do with politics. I uh, I don't I don't really care. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a music it's a it's a music genre, not a political movement, not a societal movement. So if you if it sounds like power electronics, I would consider it part of the 
family, part of the sure. genre. Yeah. So I'm not going to take a stance one way or the other there. But yeah, um, yeah, there's all kinds of cool stuff going on. But. For sure. Yeah. Tell me about Ten Little Piggies. Um, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. This episode of White Centipede Noise Podcast is brought to you by Scream and Ride Distro and Absurd Exposition Label, Montreal-based source for experimental electronics, harsh noise, etc. Over 1,600 items in stock on all formats. Media mail shipping to the USA and affordable international shipping. Forthcoming tapes from the Rita, Mott and Violent Shogun, Andrew Nolan Misery Engine Split, Neural, Hermit Chick White Split, and Alex York. Plus an expanded double LP reissue of Merzbau's 1998 Psych Noise Mantra Aqua Necromancer. Visit ScreamingRide.com and or AbsurdExposition.BandCamp.com um, <laughs> Tell me about Virtues, your label. Sorry. Hey... Yeah, I've done I've done little label dabbling here and there just um, for fun in the past over the years. But Virtues is my new pet, my new love. Um, I just there's a lot of there's there's almost too many labels right now, mm. and uh, I just I didn't need to add a new one, but I don't. I don't have a lot of other hobbies other than listening to music and doing noise. Yeah. And, and I just, yeah, like everyone watching, I just love a nice physical product. So I was like, what, how do I help, you know, leave a last, leave a good, leave a lasting impression. And I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to devote some time to putting out real nice quality products for projects I care mm -hmm. about. Um, if it's just one or two things a year, that's okay, mm -hmm. you know. So I I had put out the corporate uh, tape for Corporate Park uh, in 2009, and that was I was like, this needs a reissue. So I was like, I talked to them. I said, hey, how how about a nice vinyl mm -hmm. uh, reissue of the tape? And they said, cool, and and uh, and that was the start of it. Um, unfortunately, that came out right as all the record stores were shutting down in the oh. March of 2020, but, um, <laughs> it was a bad, bad time to launch the label, but, um, there's, yeah, no, uh, tell me about the upcoming of, burning record. I am very excited about this record. Um, Sadie Ryan and, uh, many other people in Minneapolis have a wonderful band called Burning that I'm not sure a lot of people outside of Minneapolis or the Midwest uh, know about as much uh, and uh, a certain Oscar uh, Brummel has been in this project in the past I don't know if you've contributed anything to this LP or not but I have given some um, source material which is I haven't heard it yet though but I have sub submitted some source material which has apparently been used yeah I, I, I gave a little vocal samples myself and it's I heard some of the results and it's mind-blowing cool it's sort of like a prog rock skinny puppy kind of deal it's like ambient industrial it's like unclassifiable it's 
in my opinion, the some of the greatest music ever made. And I've I don't have the master yet, and it's been a long time, yeah. and it might still be a long time. But when I get that master, it's coming out on a beautiful deluxe LP wow. on Virtues. I can't and wait. I'm going to pay for some ad space on the White Centipede Noise. For sure. I can't wait. I, I, <laughs> to promote I was involved in the band, so I mean, I'm kind of speaking biased, but I really wasn't involved in the in the musical composition at all. And I do think that the music is so advanced and amazing and so underrated. For whatever reason, it hasn't really, for no, numerous reasons, I think it hasn't really been properly released or presented. Not, not that it hasn't been released, but there's been, there have been setbacks sort of in the way it's been distributed and presented. Um, but there's, it's absolutely amazing, fascinating, such unique, intense music. And I'm really excited to hear the next thing. And I really hope that, you know, some, some projects are finished from them in the coming years. Cause I think there's, it's so slept on. It's so, it's so undiscovered. Not for long. Yeah. Um, it was also one of the main, I said, I need to start a label to put out a burning record and that's my like bucket list life goal. So cool. Sadie, let's go. Yeah, exactly. I just talked to her yesterday and I thought it was done for some, I thought it had been done for a while now. I thought it was already at the press. And then she, and then she said something about when it's finished or, you know, still working on something. And I was like, oh fuck, you're still working on it. Like, I thought it was being, I thought it was, I thought it was being pressed like six months ago. That's okay. Yeah, it is okay. Good things take time. Yeah, that's true. No. And then it'll take a year to get pressed, yeah. I'm sure. But that's okay. Um, well, I think we'll do a C I think we'll do a CD also. Good. We'll find out. Yeah. Anyways, carry on. Yeah. Um, going back to a little about, about your, about Climax now and your project. I'm curious about your recording process. And what I want to know is when you're in the process of recording, are you putting yourself in certain emotional states? Are you going through what the, what the work is about at the moment of recording or are you kind of in a more detached calculated moment? Cause I remember reading a number of times, Keith Brewer from taint and mania talking about how, when he's actually recording, he's not at all. He's not at all feeling any rage, any, any, any really intense feelings the, the actual recording process is very like, sober so to speak what's it like for you it's i'm very uh i don't record i'm not prolific i don't record all the time so when i'm when i'm focused on a project it might be months apart or years apart depending um i'm definitely especially my my more last 10 years my more woozy synthy stuff uh, i'm definitely intoxicated by it very in the yeah it's not i i do i I do a lot of overdubs but it's all live Mm -hmm. you it's all it's i don't do notes i don't have an idea i i kind of most of it's improv and just live synth stuff i'll overdub all kinds of stuff you know i'm not you know one take one track yeah but um 
Yeah. If I'm, if, if, if you're, I want to make delusional, intoxicating ambient noise. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in this, I'm. You're in the zone. If, if it's fucking you up, I'm fucking me up. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't, none of it's fake. If not, not that, not that taint was being fake. You know what I mean? Right. I have to be in the right frame of mind to do a, to, to, to get it right. Is that taxing? And do you ever see yourself being done with that kind of process in your life? It is, it is taxing. And I have barely recorded anything in the last couple of years. So yeah, uh, <laughs> um, the last few things I've recorded actually were just straight up harsh noise things, which most of my career, I haven't done just straight harsh noise. And I think I was kind of, I am getting older and less of a slimy, creepy pervert. And it just kind of, I, I needed, and the, you know, I don't want to bring up, I don't want to bring up COVID and the pandemic and everything, but like all this and social media and everything's just, yeah, everybody's just got opinions, opinions, opinions. I just felt, you know, I'm going to go back to my roots and just bang on a piece of metal with a chain and a contact mic yeah. and like three pedals. Yeah. And boy, it just, it just woke, woke me back up. Yeah. And it's like really invigorating. So yeah, I think Climax Denial was just druggy, slimy scum. And now I'm just kind of, I've kind of perked myself back. It's, you've helped. There's a renaissance of, glorious harsh noise and it's kind of cool what, uh, what about the album Blackout Suite I may or may not remember much of recording that one okay because that's that's a recent one that I really really liked and it also <laughs> felt quite it was kind of classic climax style but but sort of had a Refresh, different sound to it. it. Sounded kind of different for me, and and uh, yeah, was that kind of before you experienced this? It's got long, sort of slump. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'll go I'll go months without doing anything, and then if somebody asks me to do something, I'll come up with it. Yeah, that one's got a lot of. It's got some long ambient stuff and some really uh, really pathetic vocals and uh i've got the uh yeah there's samples of uh just people fighting and and just kind of inane yelling uh, uh um and it's just it's really trying that it's trying to capture the like agoraph the idea of agoraphobia like not wanting to leave your house and being afraid of every human that you see out the window. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's, yeah, yeah. I, that's, it's coming back to me. Mm -hmm. That was, yeah. Claustrophobic, claustrophobic synth. And then, right. If it doesn't beat you over the head enough, then I just threw in just people yelling at each other and it's just really uncomfortable. <laughs> it sounds dumb, but no, I I'm really, I really, I really like that tape too. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
It is. I had to do it good for for Krumer. Right. Absolutely. Going back to you said you Name you went price. to to No Fun Fest. Were you were you performing there? No. I went to No Fun Fest 2005 and 2006, I think. Okay. But no, I was I was I was a nobody then. Uh, I mean, I knew some people, but I wasn't I would not have been asked to perform that, but yeah, dude, I, I saw in the in the freaking basement. It was like Death Pile, Bloody Minded, Grunt, Bone All. Wow. Uh, I don't I don't know if that was the same year. It's all kind of blend together, but it might have been two separate years. But sure, it was nuts. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't think I I don't think I got asked to do anything cool till a little later, but that would have been nice. But. But you say that Dom recognized you at that time and was the one who encouraged you to start Climax Nile. Yeah, yeah. I, there, I think Mildew set up a show in like 2004 before I was Climax Nile that I played with Mildew and um, Hair Police and Prurient. So I met him there. I'd all, yeah, I also I set up a show before I was Climax and Isle for uh, the tour that was uh, Prurient, Crank Sturgeon, and Emil Bolio. Mm-hmm. That might have been the first time I met Dom. Okay. That was insane. That was, yeah, 2004, I think. And again, there was like eight people in this dumb punk house. Yeah. So that's how I met Dom first and Ron and Crank. <laughs> But yeah, so I'd, yeah, I'd met Dom a couple times, and then I just, I mailed, mailed a, a really shitty CDR with Sharpie scribbled all over it to hospital headquarters. I think it was right, right when he moved to New York, I think, and just opened the store. And so yeah, he's like, "What's yeah. your relationship, your working relationship, been like with hospital since then over the years?" Um, I did basement bruises in two thousand five. And I did a, another tape, one in the chamber on hospital, I don't know, 2010 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm on a comp, but I, I'll email Dom once in a while, but I don't have much of a relationship anymore. Okay. Other than that, but I think very highly and fondly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Of the whole label and everything the controversial label controversial label it's funny that it's become controversial i would do i would I do it's always I been controversial do, but no it's it's yeah it's 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 yeah support the underground yeah exactly three new tapes coming soon on white centipede noise moosehead the doors of perfection vincent dallas phantom clank and spring of life brown bed also still available, CDs from Opperpot, The New Boyfriends, Jason Krumer, K.M. Tupfer, Sewer Election and Trix Rosette, Lacerations Compilation, as well as the final copies of Jeff German and Aaron Dilloway, Casual Collision CD, and Alter of Flies Otterblick Triple LP. Also now offering free shipping on all orders of 100 euros or more at whitecentipedenoise.com. In your times, like when you had that really active kind of run in the in like the mid 2000s what were the 
do you do you feel like there was any difference between how the scene worked, how how labels worked and interacted in artists versus versus now in the in the age we're in now? What what were some of the main differences between those relationships and working working dynamics? This is dumb, but the first thing that pops into my head was uh, uh, mail me mail me a CDR of the, your master. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just whatever. Versus you know uploading, we we transfer or something. Yeah, and then like I tried on an old label, I was gonna put out a, a tape for somebody, and they sent me an empty jewel case. Like they were so stoned, they forgot to put the CDR in there. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, <laughs> So that tape never happened. Um, yeah, it's just... So, I mean, I, I started... I'm old enough to remember mail order catalogs, but I'm young enough that I've pretty much... I started when, like, MySpace.com yeah. was big. There was yeah. all kinds of MySpace noise. Yeah. And I had people in my top eight yeah. uh, friends list and everything. Yeah. So, like, there was a lot of collaboration there. And there was some good stuff came out of it but it was kind of goofy but that's yeah um but really it's just everybody there's somebody else said it in another interview just name a name a noise fan who doesn't have a project and then name a noise fan who has a noise project who doesn't also have their own label right like it's just it's just endless. It is endless. Uh, yeah. Algebraic. Al uh, yeah. <laughs> Algorithmic. Yeah. So you just gotta, you, oh, yeah. Do you feel like the, you just, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be picky. Sometimes. Do you feel like the label artist communication back then was different than it is now in terms of like, okay, let's do a release, send the material. Was there usually feedback about it? Was there, communication about it was there art back and forth about the artwork or was it kind of like with less communication and kind of like left in their hands yeah i i don't think it's much different now than it used to be um somebody of mine i remember it was it's controversial that he just he said he said no to a release like oh yeah I'm a, this guy sent me a thing and i asked him to do it and i didn't like it so i said no and everyone's like what yeah like, you can't do that like i'm like well good for you like i think there needs to be more of that i've definitely said no to people and they yeah i try to be nice but they usually don't take it very well because right. it's not common like right you know 50 different people can could make the exact same noise tape and you know like we don't it's i think the whole scene in general could stand to be a little more picky you know yeah. like there's good there's noise for noise sake and that's fine and everybody should be included but everyone's you don't have to just shit out everything put out everything you shit out yeah everything should and people should be pushed to hot takes. to higher standards i think i've i've put out some stuff i'm not proud of but i probably should have had a have people ever said no to most, you most of my first um yeah, there was one. I tried to I tried to put something out on Old Europa Cafe, mm -hmm. and they said no. 
But was it after it was already so agreed to, to, or was it just a like kind of a pr- proposition? It was it was unsolicited. Okay. Oh yeah, and I tried. I did a starved relations put out. Brand, Brand, my my buddy Brandon put out um, my split with the uh, Siamese Pearl. Yeah. And we tried like 10, 10 labels. We tried minimal synth labels. We tried noise labels. We tried bigger labels. We tried small labels. Nobody wanted to put out wow. this weird split. They said, whoa, we're not into splits right now. <laughs> really? Okay. But it's a mind-bogglingly good tape. And yeah. uh, I want to put it, I want to redo it on LP sometime, but it is what it is. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've had a little bit of rejection here and there. Yeah. No big deal. It's probably for the best. Do you feel that the current enthusiastic aura around noise that we've been experiencing for the past three years is likely to continue on and continue growing, or do you think it's uh, has an expiration date? And when do you think that might be? There will, there will not be an expiration date, but I'm sure the older heads can attest to this more than me, but I've been in long enough, you've been in long enough to know that there are, there have been lots of waves. Yeah. 2004, there was nothing, but then it was like Son- every, Sonic Youth and the Boredoms and then Wolf Eyes and then... Mm-hmm. The weirdo stuff kind of and the no fun fest and carlos Cafani and everything and and then kind of nothing and then it, it, the uh the the wave of like impregnable and pedestrian deposit the kind of yeah Callow god and monorail trespassing it was kind of emotional american noise yeah. and then kind of like there's always there's it, it comes in, like enthusiasm comes and goes uh but the the genre, the the niche subgenres, which are popular, will change. Yeah. So, and then uh, even like five years ago, it was more like straight up politically correct Facebook noise. I don't even know what that would mean, but <laughs> yeah, I th- you 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 are responsible, I think, for a great deal of a resurgence of new, weird, harsh. And I think it's it's a good thing. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's so. We'll I, see what comes after. I don't know. I don't think I'm responsible for it at all. But I think I've I've identified with some of it, I guess. But um, it it is good to see that stuff going on. But uh, I'm in, I'm very interested to see what is maybe on the horizon because I've kind of recognized finally that I am sort of now in an older generation. And there must be younger generations of artists doing things that I'm not familiar with or, or you know, maybe even comfortable with or, or whatever. But I'm very curious. I think I need to maybe be a little more curious about trying to tap into some of that. Because I don't, I don't want to say I'm ever, like, over harsh noise, but yeah. I do, I do want to... I do no longer hold on to this idea that the crumbly harsh noise that I love and came up on is like the only thing. And I, I am very interested to see what other people could do within the framework of harsh noise, you know? 
because I know there's a lot. I mean, I can I can imagine a lot with my mind. Is, I, I agree with I you. I the, the technology or the whatever the know-how to to try certain you know to work with certain sounds, for example. But I've, I just can't do it, and I won't. I do my thing, but I know there's got to be some there's got to be so much more that that could be happening, and I think probably is happening. And there are artists out there doing it. I would like to see that. Yeah. As much as I love the orthodox and the, the traditionalism as well, I think harsh noise is also a very traditionalist kind of genre in some way. And that's good. It's good like that. Yeah. Like I I was saying, oh, when I was 13, I, I found cocky SP and uh, intrinsic action or something. But there's, you know, like you realize, you know, I'm, I know there's older 90s dudes that, uh, but whatever. I'm, uh, yeah, we're we're getting up there, and there's some kid out there who's like 13 right now who's looking up YouTube videos of like pedestrian deposit in 2017 or something. I'm like, whoa, dude! Yeah. So like, and they're they have apps that we've never heard of, and we're yeah. we're, we're old geezers, you know. Yeah. As I remember, there was a time there when there was a time there when it, it felt like there was like 20 noise dudes making tapes for the 20 other noise dudes. Yeah. Like oh climax and all, and then there's, right, like, you know, like it was there's a little like what am I even I'm just I'm just doomed to, destined not doomed I'm destined to just trade with five people <laughs> for the rest of my life yeah. like, but it's it is I, there is a whole and there's again nothing no nothing I like trading with all my five my five friends yeah, but um, you know it's good I, there's definitely a a new wave, so the kids are coming up man. Yeah. So if you're watching this, fucking blow me up, blow us out of the water, man. <laughs> get weird, get dark. Yeah. Get sick. Get sick, and and I think don't get sick. It's interesting to see the the aesthetics. I would be interested to see how newer generation approach different aesthetics. I think Jason Krumer kind of made some interesting points about how the people who were around during the the, the the true Xerox era when that was like what you had to do they don't do that anymore they like to yeah. uh, you know they're doing some other stuff even though a lot of times it's ugly or weird Like, but they're like hey let's use all the technological possibilities that we have to make something even you know to, to evolve our aesthetic and evolve our sound which you know on, like yeah. I said on the same token you get some like a lot of these older projects that kind of are like, hey, I'm still in it, but I'm doing this really, I'm using my laptop now and using my, you know, my new technology. And it's like, that's not very good, but they're they're more interested in, you know, continuing on. They're not, these broken flag guys aren't still making the, the broken flag sound, even if they're doing it under, you know, still working under their right. own names. But then you have kind of newer generations, newer projects that didn't experience that time in real time that are harkening back yeah. to those aesthetics. And that's an interesting thing. And I would, I guess I would like to see more young artists kind of defining their own aesthetics rather than nostalgia that they weren't really a part of. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't ramble too much when you asked me about Virtue's earlier but that's part of it is I was getting kind of jaded um, that it seems like you couldn't put out a noise tape that didn't have black and white torn Xerox collage mm -hmm. and I love black and white torn Xerox collage it's like you wouldn't have a, a death metal album without 
you know, the death metal right. cover, like it's the genre deems it and there's it's super there's nothing wrong with that but I, I don't sometimes it was people were just kind of expected like you have to fall in line with the the aesthetic yeah. of the genre so like I'm not saying I will never do that but like Virtues I wanted it's not again it's not exclusively a harsh noise label right. I'm barely doing much harsh noise uh, but I'm I'm going for just uh, whatever the artist wants right. but unique but yeah, yeah, yeah it's just there was a there was like a for a while there's just a mold the, the noise tape has to look like this right you know yeah and um, and they usually look good but yeah there's an interesting conservatism in in noise in some way that people don't maybe have the self-confidence to do something that breaks the mold for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, like I said, on, on the one but hand, I guess, I mean, going that, back to what Sam was talking about, is like this, it's, okay. it's not about noise, isn't necessarily about just doing whatever and that, you know, well, that, that's a certain attitude. There's different, there's oh. different people attitudes, but there's people who are interested in noise because it's whatever and it's free and there's no rules, but they're also interested in noise because it's like a very specific type of sound and this. So, I mean, there is value, I think, to to limiting yourself in that way, but I still think even within those limits, there's a lot of room un, unexplored. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned harsh noise tip and you don't have to break the mold. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't like stuff that doesn't because it's because if you like the genre, yeah. A, a, yeah, I, I keep bringing up death metal for some strange no, reason. I'm not even a huge death metal fan, but if you put out a solid death metal album, it's going to sound like 30 years of death metal, and that's okay if you can still bang your fucking head to it. Yeah, so uh, it's it's good when people do try to break the molds, and I think. Maybe there's some, some people tend to poo-poo it or, or, you know, think it's not, it's too, too goofy or weird or something like, but, so there's, both can exist and it's, some people need to forge ahead and some people can carry on the tradition. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Play both yeah. sides. It's easier to fail um, with something new or outside of the box and I think I guess that's unfortunately where people yeah. hang themselves up on I've tried some weird stuff <laughs> it didn't always work what are your plans for usually work climax in the, <laughs> in the in the coming future and you you described doing some harsh noise like straight harsh noise stuff recently but I, I'm not so aware of that what is that also under Climax now, or is that a different project? I do, un, I do have a secret, a secret caveman American noise project called Hematite, and there's only one tape mm. that I did for Deathbed last year, I think, called Dumb as a Rock and Twice as Hard. I didn't really advertise it. I think there's like 50 of them. You can cool. probably still That's get a great. copy. That's I didn't know about that. Um, but so I might, I might do more. I might do more with that. I've kind of like arrogantly over the last 20, 15 years, just, I'm, 
I switched genres without changing a name. I was always like, everybody's got 30 projects and I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be Climax and all, whether it's an ambient cinematic ambient death industrial album or scathing harsh noise. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I probably should have switched the name here and there, but uh, last year I did a tape for, um, modern decadence and Hiroshima dust out of Mexico Mm -hmm. called, uh, asexual electricity. That came out like a little over a year ago, I think, or two. Jeez. Um, and that's just pure, just harsh junk noise. Sick. Okay, cool. Because like I was saying before, I just I was tired of opinions. I didn't really feel like getting all synthy and weird, so I just warned. Yeah. And it's pretty good. And then um, Abhorrent, Abhorrent AD label messaged me last year. Says, hey, I got your harsh noise tape can you do some harsh noise cool. for me? So I said, I would love to do some harsh noise for you. So probably right when this is debuting, I have a new CD coming out on Abhorrence oh, AD yeah. called Indolence. And it's a full length, full length CD. Uh, and it's almost, it's 90% pure harsh noise and it's really fucking good. And I'm proud of it. There's a little bit of, creepy vocals in the middle but it's mostly just rip your face off america noise that's great uh and i don't really have anything i don't really have any i don't really have any climax analysis uh plans at this moment but i may or may not work on something in the next year or two we'll see very good at this point in time i would like to ask you to tell me your top five noise releases of all time. Uh, I'm going to go Bloody Minded Trophy. Mm-hmm. Insane. Just pure. Just pure raw power electronics. I'm going to... I'll go Sodality Beyond Unknown Pleasures. Yep. It's probably the sickest, most disgusting album mm-hmm. I've ever recorded. Um... MXM, flesh biting mm-hmm. pedophile. It's Macronympha and Mondo yep. Brewery. Yep. Uh, just super gross. And you can't you can't pop that up on yep. the on the screen there. <laughs> uh, uh, Brighter mm-hmm. Death Now, obs- mm-hmm. Obsessus. Maybe um, that's like my early yeah really influenced my early sound with kind of real woozy throbbing perversion just gross I think they're maybe not their most Mm -hmm. hailed album but it's my favorite um that's four that's four uh oh number one my number one my number one favorite album noise release my number one favorite noise release of all time is Prurient and the Rita okay. Women Pissing 7-inch on Fusty. Number one favorite of all time. That's my number one favorite noise release of all time. Cool. All women right. Pissing. Yep. <laughs> That's a good one. On Fusty. Cunt. Yep. <laughs> no Atrox Morgan on your top yeah, five? It's perfect. I really... I could do honorable mention Atrox Morgan Paranoia, but... Uh, I think 
I thought about I, I sweated about it all week. I know I'm known as like the Atrex More guy, but everyone's an Atrex More guy because he's he's perfect. He's got too many good albums, and um, I uh, Bloody Minded. I found Bloody Minded first. Yeah, and it's got the same, just absolute minimal. Just there's one sound. Yeah, and then in your face vocals. Yeah, Atrex More is completely different, but it's one sound and in your face vocals, and it's just sick. Yeah, but Trophy influenced me earlier. Uh, yeah. Do you have a picture of the like, Atrax more graffiti oh, and like on, the, GR. on the wall of the board ward? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have, I, I might on my computer, but, uh, that was just shock. That's the amazing thing about the board uh-huh. ward garage is it, I just, it was, I just, we, Jay just bought a thing of chalk <laughs> and brought it in and we didn't even have to spray paint. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. It's all this like pastel. Yeah. Pastel. Yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. So that's your top five of all time. What about top five of the past year? Yeah, I'm going to... This is... Oh, I buy a lot of stuff, but it's like... I'm going to go, gonna go a couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think last year, um, Swollen Organs... Vestigial Cock mm-hmm. LP on breathing problem. Mm-hmm. That's just so gross. And Swollen Organs is on a, just genius on top of his game. It's weird and dark and ugly. Cool. Um, I'll do uh, uh, Doll. Circuit drama, mm-hmm. which is actually also on breathing problem. The tape that's just really good. I did a doll tape, of course. Yep, on virtues, uh, which is excellent. But circuit drama, really, really advanced from the one I put out. Cool. Um, oh, there's this project I don't know much about. I think he's in Australia. I got it from Cloister. Recently, it's uh, Terigium. Uh, yeah. Uh, Digging a Ditch of Mercy is the name of the yeah. tape. Okay. Teratigium, I was thought. Terigium? Yeah, maybe it's right. With Ter- P- yeah. PT. Yeah. PT. Yeah. Cool. It's, yeah, that's like really good. I got to, if he's, if that person's watching, I want to, I might do it. I'd like to do a tape for you, but we'll see. Cool. I'm probably not worthy because he's on Tesco, but. <laughs> Um, that commuter that commuter CD on Phage is really yep. good everyone's talking about that yep. one uh, and I think that's four mm-hmm. and uh, I just got a comp from Scott who does um, Petite Souls mm-hmm. it's a comp called Motivated by Anticipation mm. Uh, about mo- uh, motel voyeurism. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was like a. It was not. It was. It was like not on label. Right. Private release, yeah. but it's you can you can still pick it up. Yeah. It's really really excellent. It's got Thomas Bettner, Straight Panic, and GX is on there, yep. I think, and uh, Swollen Organs. Uh, um, Sam Stockson's on it, right? It's really. Yeah, and Sam's on it, and uh, I think, yeah, 
um, it goes above and beyond like quality. I, I would recommend picking that one up if you cool. can. Alex, is there anything else you'd like to add that I didn't ask you about or things that you would like to let people know or clear up or anything I got wrong that you, you want to want to set the record straight on? No. No, I you can people can think whatever they want. That's fine. Um, I don't think I did a good enough job selling my uh, label. I've got. Um, I'm sorry. I think I Kate, also interrupted Kate Rizik of Rusalka. You did just now. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> I I got a plug. I got a plug. Kate Rizik LP coming out this summer on Virtues. Um, Decayed Signals. It's going to be amazing beautiful jacket beautiful noise uh i've got a cd coming out very soon for uh wisconsin artist john mueller mm -hmm. um sort of an ambient deal and it's going to be in a beautiful uh, hardcover book cool. pro cd um and then of course hopefully sooner than later the 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 burning lp and uh maybe something for deterge and some other things but great you'll have to follow my minimal um, online presence but trust me it's good stuff I wouldn't put it out if I didn't love it great well looking forward to all of that looking forward to more Climax Denial looking also forward to now hearing the harsh noise Climax Denial which is coming out probably the day this this aired I did see something online about that and I I didn't make the connection, but that's that's all more exciting. So I'll make sure I pick those up for the for the distro as well. All right, Alex. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to, with me about Climax Nile and everything else. Nice to see your face and talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me, Oscar. Bye bye. Take care. Thanks again for tuning into White Sampy Noise Podcast. Head over to the Patreon for more, including private episodes of Noise on the Run, exclusive photos, video, and audio related to the show, and discounts at the White Sampy Noise mail order. Your support is extremely appreciated and vital to keep the show going.